Parenting is often lived in the extremes. It's either great joy or chaotic overwhelm. In one moment you're nailing it and the next you're losing your cool. I want to help you find your way to the messy middle, to a place of balance. You see, balance is a verb, not a state of being. It is a thing you do, not a thing you are. It is an action, a process, a series of micro-corrections that you make each and every day to keep yourself feeling centered. We are never truly balanced. We are engaged in the process of balancing. Hello, I'm Dr. Laura Froyan, and this is the Balanced Parent Podcast, where overwhelmed, stressed out, and disconnected parents go to find tools, mindset shifts, and practices to help them stop yelling at the people they love and start connecting on a deeper level, all delivered with heaping doses of grace and compassion. Join me in conversations that will help you get clear on your goals and values and start showing up in your parenting, your relationships, your life with open-hearted authenticity and balance. Let's go. Hello, everybody. This is Dr. Laura Froyan, and we're here with another episode of the Balanced Parent Podcast. And we're going to be talking about how to help our kids have healthy relationships with money. And I have a great expert for us. His name is Chris Farrell, and he's going to be telling us kind of what we can do to support our kids in this. Chris, welcome to the show. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and who you are and what you do? Well, Dr. Laura, thanks for having me firstly. It's a real pleasure to be on your podcast. And hi to everyone of the Balanced Parent Podcast listening wherever you are in the world. As you might be able to tell from my accent, I'm from a little place called England. Have you heard of England, Laura? Of course, yes. We have so many listeners in England. (laughs) Yeah, I know you were saying, which is great. So I'm from England. I've lived in LA for few years, or funnily enough, just moved back to England right now. And uh, essentially, long story short, I have a business called Financial, or Financial, but Financial, where we put the fun in finance. You can tell that I've said that line a thousand times, can't you? <laughs> <laughs> I've said that so many times, but that's what we do. We essentially kind of teach a subject matter that I think most adults, let alone children, struggle with. And I know that we're going to kind of delve into that a little bit more, but essentially it's how to teach money in a fun and an entertaining and an endearing and an engaging way to children and teens. So that's really the whole purpose of uh, Financial Freedom is the name of the company. So we teach children and teens how to become financially smart. Well, that's awesome. You know, we're all about fun and play here. I know. And so my daughter is eight and she's in the process part of math right now is learning about, you know, the quarters, nickels, dimes, kind of all of those things. And one of her favorite ways to learn about money is by counting her stash and deciding how much she wants to give to an animal shelter that we support. Oh, that's fantastic. Did, did you teach her that? Or was that something she organically started to do? Well, you know, she's always been giving. She's always loved animals. And the one year for her birthday party, she asked if she could have, like, instead of people bringing gifts, if they could give a donation and we could give it to a sanctuary, and an, like a farm animal sanctuary. Gosh. And so we did that. And then she's just kind of gone with that. But that's her favorite way to play is to think about and dream about the animals that she's going to help with her money. <laughs> Ironically, one of the, the core things that we teach that we might come on to is the importance of giving. And it's not just purely because you're helping other people, but it actually instills from a very young age that that uh, mindset, for want of a better word, of living in you know an abundant mindset rather than a scarcity mindset. And that's kind of a bit of a broader picture. But if we can instill that at a very young age, I think many reasons that most of us adults have struggled at one time or another in our life with finance is due to having scarcity about it. Now, we all have limiting beliefs to some extent, and most of the time it does come down to money. 
money. So if we can address this at an early age, it sounds like you're doing a great job with your daughter, then, you know, there's nothing that they can't really achieve if that's instilled from one of their earliest memories. So I love the fact that you're doing that. Yeah. Oh, thank you. You know, money mindset is something that I'm working on a little bit in my business, Mm. but I feel curious about what does that mean? First of all, for our listeners who've maybe never heard that phrase, and what does it mean for kids? Like, where do we get our money mindset and how does that impact us as we grow up? Well, if we kind of reverse engineer, I think there are two things that are not really taught in schools. And one of them is mental health, which is a separate conversation, but I'm equally as passionate about that. And secondly is financial literacy. Mm -hmm. And we could argue forever about why these things aren't taught. But financial literacy is not taught in schools. And it's a funny thing about finance, because one thing that we've discovered is that when you teach somebody to get a grip on their finances, you would think, wouldn't you, that great, they're kind of beginning to make more money. And that's obviously fantastic thing. But what interestingly happens is if somebody learns some tips and tricks to get a grip on their finances, it often ends up affecting them, not just their finances. They are then the sort of person that will probably put a bit more effort into their health. If they put a bit more effort into their health and they start to see results, they probably put a bit more effort into their relationships. So really our bigger goal, although we do teach, of course, financial literacy to children and teens, really our bigger goal is to empower children and teens to lead extraordinary lives. And this starts by getting grip on your finances. And the reason we start with that is because that's a very tangible thing. You can see the the extra pounds or dollars or euros in your bank account when you implement some things and see the results. And that increasing confidence and self-esteem, if you like, I don't think, no pun intended, you can put a dollar value on that. And when you see children and teens get a result of something, in this case, making a little bit of money, you do not know how that will percolate out in their life and the impact that they will have on others. So really our bigger goal is, as as I say, to teach children and teens how to lead extraordinary lives. And this starts by getting a grip on finances. So that's kind of where we sort of begin the process, if you like. Okay. And so then like, how do you help your kids have a healthy kind of mindset or language, kind of an abundance mindset around money? Because I know I grew up with some very limiting beliefs around money. One of them was that I'm careless with money. You know, when I had money, a dollar here for my grandpa or something, I would often leave it around the house. And I got the consistent message from my parents that I'm careless with money. I'm not to be trusted with money. They had a little envelope that was labeled Laura's found money. And I couldn't get the money back until I had done certain chores or wait, like it was kind of in money jail, you know? And so... (laughs) Like, I'm still dealing with some of the kind of the fallout of that, you know. And so, like, how can we do the opposite? You know, and of course, my parents were doing the best that they could. They both grew up in extreme financial hardship. And it was very distressing, particularly for my mom to see me not respecting money. That was her money story. So now I've got my money story. How do I help my kids have healthy money stories? Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Really kind of being totally true with ourselves and asking ourselves, how is our relationship with money? And I think particularly, let's just say an adult generation, we all have a slight thing of money is the root of all evil which is probably instilled in us from either its religious beliefs or upbringing from being a child. But we're all kind of, I say all, obviously there's exceptions to any rule, but generally most people have that kind of perception that money can be the root of all evil. And I think that subliminal belief actually does percolate through becoming an adult. So why is this the case? And it's often the case because we've never been 
comfortable around the fact that money actually is not the root of all evil. Money is actually the root of all great change when it is used effectively. Let's let's just look at this from a different angle for a second. There's a reason why 95% of most people in most countries are in some sort of debt or scarcity. If you look at the stats, 95% of America, 95% of America right now, so the majority of listeners right now of this podcast are in some sort of debt or scarcity. The average American has less than $5,000 saved in their bank account. The number one reason for bankruptcy in America is unpayable medical bills. Things just come about on a, on a random afternoon that we're not expecting. They just knock us off our axis. And the reason for that is we're not taught that money skills are something that can be learned. I've always enjoyed, Brian Tracy once said this. He said uh, four words that really impacted me as a young child. He said, all skills are learnable. Mm-hmm. I remember hearing this years ago and thinking, gosh, that's true. So if we were on this podcast right now, Laura, and we were talking about, I don't know, how to learn how to play the guitar or how to learn how to code or how to learn to speak another language, we would all know. And of course, all the listeners as well would, of course, know that that is something that is learnable. For some reason, money doesn't quite fit into that category. We tend to view it a little bit suspiciously, but all money really is, is a skill that therefore, by the very definition of what a skill is, can be learned. And this is kind of all change starts with education. And this is really what we want to instill at an early age to children that read our books or take our training courses, that it is a skill, that it can be learned. And the fact that you might be in an environment, might be at home, might be in school where this is not something that is embraced, if you like. So just to reiterate what I just said, again, all change starts with education. So if we can educate those particularly those that have got more time on their side to realizing that it is simply a skill that can be learned then everything sort of changes and i suspect that you and i weren't taught that i know i wasn't taught that as a kid at all uh, we were you know probably like most people we, we certainly came from a lot of scarcity growing up and i think those limiting beliefs do just stay with you forever so everything has to start from an early age from an education and another thing just to kind of compound the challenge is that most adults most of us parents if we're perfectly honest when we look at ourselves in the mirror we don't feel that we have the right to teach mm. financial literacy to our children teens because we're maybe feeling we're not there ourselves there's a, a disconnect so what happens nothing happens and therefore that's why it can take a a generation to kind of sort of make the change from an early age i suspect our children's children will have a completely different grasp on money than maybe we did when we grew up things like i mean cryptocurrency is a very good example it's still in its infancy right now it's still on the starting blocks but just i mean it's very volatile of course but there's so many opportunities now again coming down to educating children and teens as to where finance is going to go I and mean, i'm not going to get too carried away for this podcast but if we just look <laughs> at how everything in the world is digitalized it makes sense that money has to be digitalized it just makes logical sense this yeah. whole decentralization of money everywhere so there's gonna be a huge amount of changes and if any parent particularly understands that, look, I know that maybe I haven't got my finances dialed in. I get that. But I also know that I want to share with my child or teen how they can get their finances dialed in. And parents are open to that rather than thinking, well, I don't know how to do it. Therefore, nothing happens. Those sorts of parents, of which there are you know, millions, are the ones that we're communicating with and are the ones that what we are teaching is resonating with. Yeah. So I think you're highlighting something that we all have to grapple with, like in any area of parenting. If I don't know how to regulate my own emotions, how can I possibly 
teach that to my child, you know? So part of balanced, respectful parenting is learning the skills that you don't have for yourself as you're teaching them to your child. So what are some tools or tips or skills right now that someone listening can start putting into practice with their kids? That's a great question. Well, I'll tell you something. I just like to keep things really simple. I think, you know, in this crazy TikTok, Instagram world that we live in, nobody's got time. Let's keep things really simple. There is something that someone listening right now, whether you're in your kitchen or in your car or the gym that you could implement right immediately for your children and teens. I wish that I'd done this when I was young. This would have made a difference completely for my financial destiny as it indeed it will for anybody. And that is, there's a very simple saving system that we encourage our students to implement immediately. And it's really, really simple. And it works as follows. Essentially, we want to encourage as of immediate effect that every time you get a dollar or a pound or a euro or anything, we want you to start thinking of it. Well, we actually split it into four different ways. So let me explain what I mean by that. Imagine you earn, I don't know, $10 for babysitting, let's say. Mm -hmm. First of all, we say, well, actually 50% of that. So half of it, you can spend on whatever you want. Go to town, your hair gel, your burritos, going to the shopping mall with your friends, your iTunes downloads, whatever. Your Justin Bieber latest song, which incidentally, I can't stop singing. I absolutely love it. But that 50% of everything you make, you spend, go crazy. But we want you to start thinking of 50% of everything you make as yours to spend. That's 50% straight off the top. 20%, we want you to save. So there's something that you've got your eye on that you'd like. It might be helping your parents on a school trip. It might be a new bike. It might be a computer game. It doesn't really matter. One goal that we actually have is to take your family on holiday within two years. So we're saving 20% of everything you make or get given or Christmas money. If you've got a side hustle or a job or or whatever, part-time job, 20% of it as of immediate effect you're getting into a habit of saving. Because let me share something with you. Those people that are financially successful in life, the one thing they have learned is how to become a good saver. Most adults make the mistake of thinking, and sometimes I say this on stage and people kind of get a bit angry when I say this, but it's true. You cannot earn your way to wealth. Let's say that again. You cannot earn your way to wealth. What does that mean? Well, being brutal, it means that However much money you get from your job, you are not going to be financially independent because of that. Now, yes, of course, there's always exceptions to every rule, obviously, and I get that. But generally, you're not going to earn your way to wealth. Nothing wrong, of course, with getting a job. But what we teach is not just to rely on a job, to have a side hustle, to think entrepreneurially, to maybe set something else up. So maybe you're not working for somebody, but people are working for you because you're not going to earn your way to wealth. Now, if I was taught this and really understood it at a young age, I think that would have changed everything for me. So this is a long-winded way, Laura. Forgive me <laughs> of me answering your question, which is 50% as you asked the question, what could somebody doing right now apply? This is what they could do. of every dollar that you give your child for their pocket money, their allowance, they can spend 20% of it. They're now going to save for something that leaves 30%. 20% of the remainder we want to invest. Now we haven't really got, this isn't the vehicle, this podcast to talk about specific investing, but Mm -hmm. let me just share. If you imagine you get $10 again for babysitting, $5 you can spend, come on, get the math here, (laughs) $2 you can save. And then we encourage 20%, another $2 to invest. So we talk about investing. Now, ironically, well, it's not really irony, but out of these four areas, I'll come on to the fourth in a moment, it's the invest area that over time is going to be worth more than all the others put together. That is what is going to really make a difference to your child or teen's life. If they can get in the habit right now of every time they make anything, 20% of it, they're going to invest and you might be thinking, well, where would they invest? And I, of course, that's a great question. And, we, you know, I'm not going to get specific right now. The point of this is just to start thinking differently. Think differently. If we do what we've always done, we're going to get what we've always got. We know that. So we want to do something different. Wayne Dyer talks a lot about this. So if you're on a boat and you're going to a destination, if you just nudge that boat a fraction, 
you're going to go in a slightly different trajectory and you're going to arrive at a different destination but we need to make that slight change yeah. and the, the analogy here is the slight change is thinking about okay maybe i might do this i might start saying to my child or team every 10 bucks you make every dollar you make 50 percent you can spend go to town 20 percent you're going to save for something what is it you want i want this okay you're going to start saving for it 20 percent of it you're going to invest and then the final 10 percent is funny enough what your daughter naturally is organically doing which i love 10 percent of it you're going to give you're going to sort something that's dear to you a, a cause a charity a foundation it really doesn't matter you know homelessness animals in your daughter's case uh, maybe there's a, an illness or a disease that's impacted you or your family personally but you know everybody's got something of course but we want to encourage tithing as it used to be known back in the biblical days yeah. giving something regularly and it's not even really about the money laura as we spoke about earlier it's about the very fact that the mindset of somebody now thinking okay Every dollar I get, actually, I'm only really keeping 90 cents of it because 10 cents of it, I'm giving away forever for the rest of time. We can all live on 90%. It changes everything because yeah. you're not just helping somebody, but you living in this abundant mindset, you end up attracting more abundance back into your life because you're not in this scarcity sort of way of living. So just to kind of wrap this up neatly with a bow, to answer your question a bit more succinctly, you asked me what could parents listening right now to this podcast do? My answer would be start a simple saving system. Sit your kid around the kitchen table, get out four Tupperware boxes, four jam jars and say, right, for a month, we're going to try this. 50% of everything you make, you spend. Goes in the spend jar, do with it what you want. 20% we're going to save 20% of it we're going to put in another jar that's called invest and we can talk about where you'd invest it later could buy a tesla share you know put a bit in <laughs> ethereum just you know have some fun with it and something 10 that's popular here is a 529 plan which is an education savings plan um, now what is that what's it called a 529 plan okay i've um, heard of that how, how does that work yeah, so it's an education savings plan where you can invest in it as your child grows and then they can take the money out for education tax-free um, okay. when they're ready. And it can also be transferred too. So if you are investing now and kids are young, they end up getting a great scholarship, they don't use it, you can transfer it to another kid, they can transfer it to another child okay. as a scholarship, which is that kind sounds, of cool. Is that something that the parent would do more than the kid though? Our kids contribute to their 529 plans. Our grandparents, okay. also, like my parents also contribute to my kids' 529 plans. So okay. it's a way that as a family, we're all kind of supporting their education. Well, another thing as well, just to kind of to pivot off your comment there is... Um, Sorry, I interrupted you. No, gosh, it's, it's so exciting speaking with you about this, Laura. But if you look at people like, I don't know, Warren Buffett, you know, arguably the most successful investor in the world. He was asked once, he gets asked all the time. And in his autobiography, The Snowball, he talks about this. You know, the number one question, as you'd expect him to be asked is, how do I make money? And he always says the same thing. In fact, he has a two-part answer. Firstly, he says, I spend time every day learning, which is great, mm -hmm. the importance of education ourselves but then the next natural evolution to that question is okay what's the number one thing that you've learned mr buffett and the number one thing that he's learned is to tap into the power of compounding yeah. compounding is one of these things that sounds so dull and so boring if we we're in a like a math class at school we'd be like oh man oh, this is boring so that's why we're called financial because we want to make learning about things that sound i get it on the surface a little bit dull actually really interesting because if we're smart if the richest investor in the world is saying that he made most of his money from something called compounding, wouldn't it kind of make sense, regardless of how we might think it sounds boring, to at least be open to exploring it? Einstein called compounding the eighth wonder of the world. And the reason compounding works is because it's using the power of, of time. Now, of course, as adults, we don't have as much time, obviously, as our children or teens. So again, imagine the power of teaching your eight-year-old, your five-year-old, your 15-year-old, if they say something. Now, I, of course, every, you know, every action has an equal and opposite reaction. I understand that for kids, planning 
10 years ahead is you might as well be like 10 lifetimes ahead it seems yeah. improbable very to in the moment beings I exactly <laughs> exactly which is a good way to live but we all know that you know time goes super super quick so implementing something a very simple savings plan this 20 percent i talked about if we invest that in a vehicle that pays compounding interest and we just tuck it away for 10 years you know you've got your kids college fund paid you've got six thousand dollars a month compounded for 10 years is a million within 11 years a million that's enough to get your kid a house probably mortgage free (laughs) for 10 years if you tap into compounding i mean that's game changing right yeah okay so this is what we do in our family we have three jars spend save i love it i yeah. had no idea you did this you yeah, hang on let me write yeah. this down so you do spend spend save. save and share and then they always you know have some of the money coming in just go straight into their into an investment we also buy them so this is something my dad did for me growing up as he would buy us small numbers of shares in just kind of cool companies yeah. you know or that like companies that kids liked you know like so i think i had mcdonald's shares growing up or coca-cola shares growing up and i mean when i went to college we sold those and used them to pay for college. Um, but they were always in my name. And he Brilliant. always, if I, whatever money I was putting in to any of my savings, my dad always matched, which was really cool. Absolutely Businesses brilliant. do that too, you know, employers do matching programs. Yeah. So, you know, on the one hand, like, so there was some mindset stuff, but my dad also taught me some savvy things too. And so, you know, the spend, save and share jars though, we aren't very strict with how much they put in their jars. And what I found is that when I trust my kids and help them think about like, okay, so what are you thinking about? And oftentimes on the save jar, my daughter will put a picture of what she's saving for on there, what her brilliant. goal is. Yep, and so oftentimes she moves money that could go into her spend jar to her save jar to kind of fill her save jar up faster. She hardly ever has money in her spend jar. She always mostly puts it in the save or in the share jar, which is super cool. Dr. Laura, what an amazing president you're setting for your kids seriously you don't even need me on this podcast you've got it oh, no, of course no i mean these are things so that i'm just great. doing like just trusting her and letting her experience money and you know it's i think that you know in a safe way without like shame or without you know shooting on them like they need guidance of course they need practice i help the, her think about it think through like what are your goals for this money why are you putting it in the share jar you know those are all important things but i don't know it's all good it's all how good old stuff. is she can i ask she's eight Gosh, I mean, she's going to be so money wise. And you say that when she has spare cash, she wants to put it more in the save jar than the other jars. That's kind of yeah. Her, her spend jar is almost always empty. Okay. Well, <laughs> I think uh, she's going to be financially be very, okay. very literate <laughs> and probably going to be looking after you within 15 years. Which I'll is take it. I can't wait. Exactly, to right? <laughs> no. But, you know, it's funny too, that like the mindset piece of this, I think is important, this abundance mindset for kids. And she has it. So one of her friends at school was telling her yesterday that in the night he was going to get up in the night and go into his dad's wallet and take his money. I'm not outing this kid because I don't think that's actually going to happen. But, you know, these kids were talking about it. And I was like, what do you think about that? And she goes, I don't think he needs to do that. I think he could just ask. There's always more money. There's always a way to get money. You know, there's always, you know, and I'm like, okay, so if you wanted money, what would you do? I'd ask you, you'd help me figure out how I could earn some money. Okay, I could get some money myself. You know, I I think like having that idea of money is available. There's ways to get the money we need, you know? There really is. It's interesting if we catch ourselves, you know, if we're aware of our thoughts, and sometimes it's just a fun experiment to do anyway, if you're driving somewhere and if you get to the destination, think, what was I actually thinking about on that journey? And if you catch yourself (laughs) thinking, gosh, I was quite negative during that journey. That's an interesting thing I should note about myself. And the reason I say this is when we ask ourselves that about money, what is our internal dialogue actually telling us 
And often it is, if you play it back, it'd be like, God, I spoke to myself in quite a negative way. So we yeah. do need to change that inner voice. I think so too. Like money doesn't grow on trees, you know, or money is the root of all evil. I think I heard those things a lot. And so, I mean, I purposely say positive things about money. Like we can do so much good with this money. Mm. Are we so lucky that we can share this money? You Would know? you remember there was a thing, or I don't know if you had this when you were growing up, but we, I'm generalizing a little bit. But I'd be interested to know some of the, you know, the listeners of the Balanced Parent podcast sort of felt the same, but you, there were kind of two bands of people. There were people that had money who were bad people that didn't have money and they were they were good yes and it was was like (laughs) and it was like look we may not have any money but we're good people those people have got money bad people now of course we all know that's absolutely not true and some of the most rounded spiritually advanced generous people i know are also the wealthiest and converse is true as well Mm. so there has to be that conditioning that we've all kind of had but i do feel that that is definitely changing particularly with you mentioned about your daughter i love the fact she said you know there's always more money and you know what there is again if we expand our horizons particularly now i mean literally think about this most teens have got in their back pocket or in their hand 24 7 something that literally is a window to the world that will allow them to do at the very least i don't know there's apps now like macari or depop or vintage and there's all these apps where you can go to your closet stuff that you no longer wear or you don't like or you've grown out mm-hmm. of it take a picture upload it and sell it and make money you know by dinner time or just the, even there's the, apps where you take quizzes and make money, you know? Like, I the, mean, there's the so much. The barrier to entry, exactly. The barrier to entry right now. I think when you and I wanted to start a business, you know, it was quite, it was a lot of work. Now you can pretty much do it from your bedroom. You've got connections to the world. You've got Etsy. If you're, if you're a creative type, if you're arty, you know, you can create something and get it on Etsy very quickly. You can print stuff with the print-on-demand T-shirts and prints and stuff. You gotta, if you've got a skill, if you can code, if you're a, a writer, if you're a, you can do voices, you can go to fiverr.com. I mean, there really is now no excuse not to sort of start to explore a hustle like we talked about earlier. You're not going to earn your way to wealth. You do eventually need to have a hustle, which you would then use that hustle money to invest in. And that's kind of one of the things that we teach. Cool. This has been such a fun conversation. (laughs) I I mean, it it is, but I mean, thanks, Laura. This is really important stuff. I, I think the overarching message, though, really has been just like with every other aspect of parenting, where we're moving to be more conscious, more intentional. Yeah, money is no different. We have to take a look at ourselves. We have to take a look at how we're approaching our money. We have to model for our kids what we want them to come out of you know childhood knowing about money we have to know what it is that we want our kids to know about money what skills we want them to have around money you know i mean you have to think about these things and be intentional and it's not just with feelings and emotions and academic learning this is you know the financial piece of it is a huge thing and you're so right the research is very very clear that when people have a certain level of financial health everything is better in their lives. They have better physical health. They have better relationships. They have better yes. mental health. You know, they're getting to that certain level and it's not even wealthy. You know, it's, well, I was, it's financial Lord, health. just about to say, that's the yeah. thing, isn't it? We it's live in this society where you think it has certain... to be six figures a month or something and it doesn't. Sorry, I didn't mean to talk over you, but yeah, I agree no, no, with you completely. Yeah. yeah, and we're not talking about being rich. We're talking about having just a certain level of like yep. stability, of okayness. Yep. And yes. that's a beautiful gift to give our kids. Oh, gosh, as you said, it transcends the dollar value. Yeah, absolutely. If you can make, I mean, it's not even, at the, I don't even want to put a dollar figure on it, but just for sake of illustration, you know, if, if a child or teen can earn $200 a month from using an app, let's say, and they sell clothes 
that they've no longer wear, or their sisters or their brothers, or with even friends. Or they, or they, with, yeah, permission. <laughs> with permission. We should with permission. quickly clarify. Yeah. Otherwise, you're going to get lots of complaints. That balanced pair of podcasts, they've <laughs> sold all my clothes, and I'm curious with Laura. But yeah, but then what happens is that the child or teen then might start going to a thrift store and, you know, buying stuff and then selling it the same way. And it's not just about the money. Obviously, that is nice, but you're right. It is that, I've seen it a thousand times. It's that confidence. It's the, I gave a talk recently, well, before lockdown. So gosh, it was over a year ago now. We used to give lots of talks on the subject matter. Very long story short, but it was, if you like, an area of London where, you know, it's a tough area of London. And uh, the thing I remember the most about it was I didn't end up having lunch, which might sound a weird thing, but I remembered about it. The only reason I remember that is there was a line of teens wanting to speak to me. And I could see, Laura, I could see the hunger in their eyes that where they were in their home environment was not really supporting this kind of secret desire that they had, that they could actually achieve more and they could do better. They knew it inwardly that, mm. that they kind of could do a little bit better and they just needed that push. It's like that poem, you know, that poem, Come to the Edge. He said, they said, we are afraid, come to the edge. And he pushed them and they flew. It's mm. a bit like that. That's all we're trying to do is just light the fire of, you know, of entrepreneurship, for want of a better word, that, that we live in a time now where this is possible. We all have cell phones. There <laughs> is no excuse to kind of at least be open to exploring this. And that's really kind of what we want to share. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. It was so fun to chat with you. Thanks so much for being here with us. Thank you so much, Dr. Laura. Thanks everyone for the Balanced Parent Podcast for taking your time listening. I appreciate you very much. Okay. So thanks for listening today. Um, remember to subscribe to the podcast. And if it was helpful, leave me a review that really helps others find the podcast and join us in this really important work of um, creating a parenthood that we don't have to escape from and creating a childhood for our kids that they don't have to recover from. And if you're listening, grab a screenshot and tag me on Instagram so that I can give you a shout out. Um, and definitely go follow me on Instagram. I'm at Laura Froyan PhD. Um, that's where you can get a behind the scenes look at what balanced conscious parenting looks like in action with my family. And plus I share a lot of other really great resources there too. All right, that's it for me today. I hope that you keep taking really good care of your kids and your family and each other, and most importantly of yourself. And just remember, balance is a verb and you're already doing it. You've got this.